0: If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Thanksgiving is coming up this week. And for many people, that means uh, family, turkey, uh, getting together. I, I love what Johnny Carson said on The Tonight Show years ago. He said, Thanksgiving is an emotional holiday. People travel thousands of miles to be with people they only see once a year. And then they discover that once a year is way too often. (laughs) I don't know what you're looking forward to this Thanksgiving, but I feel that it is my responsibility as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel, to remind you what we, as the people of God, have to be thankful for. There are a lot of blessings we have living in America, a lot of things that you can give thanks and praise for. But I want us to go to the Word of God and see what God's word says, what the psalmist had to say about giving thanks. Doing some study this week, I read that the pilgrims made seven times more graves than they built huts. Yet, they set aside a day to give thanks to God. I don't know what's going on in your life. I know what's going on in some of your lives. I want to remind you that no matter what happens, God says to you, you can give thanks from the depths of your heart. So, when everything within us is able to say thank you, Lord, let's look at the outcome. Psalm 138, verse 1. I will give thanks with all my heart. I will sing praises to you before the gods. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word according to all your name. On the day I called you, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, Lord, when they have heard the words of your mouth. And they will sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is exalted, yet he regards the lowly but the haughty he knows from afar. Give verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Does that sound like Psalm 23? <laughs> Though I walk... A Psalm of David again. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. David closes that psalm basically in saying, God, keep doing what you're doing. Don't leave me out. Keep on working in me and through me. When everything within us says, thank you, Lord, I believe this psalm tells us what will take place in our life. So it begins with verse one. It begins with that phrase, with everything that's in me, The, the new American standard says, with all my heart, Some have translated that when everything within me says, God, I give you thanks. Number one, our hearts will overflow with praise. You won't have to look around at the circumstances. You won't have to look at the economy. You won't have to look at who's in office. You won't have to look at what's going on in your job. You won't have to look at the size car you drive or the size house you live in. You won't have to look at any of those other things. It'll be out of the overflow of your heart. And I believe that's what the psalmist is saying. David is saying, everything within me, every fiber of my being is saying, thank you, Lord. When that's where you are, when that's where we are as a people of God, it'll be the overflow of our lives that says, thank you. With all my heart, everything within me. Several years ago, we were still meeting in that small building next door here. We had some people looking at the facilities this week and they said, no, oh, where was the original church building? I said, we're standing in it. We were right over there. Oh, wow. We were in a small building over there and I came down one Sunday afternoon to kind of get ready for my stuff that I was going to do that evening. I think I was teaching a Bible study early in the afternoon and, and we had, we had uh, those doors that are on hinges that swing like a saloon door, you know? those? How do you all know that? Because you watch Gunsmoke, right? We had doors like that. And they had little glass uh, windows you could look through. And as I walked by the worship center, our sanctuary, then I, I looked through there, and the carpet looked darker than I remembered it looking. And I didn't think much of it, and I kind of walked by. I came back by again. I said, I'm going to just walk and look in there. And I looked, and sure enough, the carpet was a very dark, dark blue. And it wasn't supposed to be. So I thought, hmm. I opened the door, and I realized the carpet was very dark, dark blue because it was very wet. And so I looked, and my eyes went up like this, and I got up to the baptistry. And the baptistry was flowing like a waterfall down the sides and out and under the stage and, and creeping out the water everywhere. That was fun. I called some folks and said, help. And we all showed up with our shop vacs and we cleaned up that water all after. We got it and the carpet survived. We, we made it through that. But, but there was an overflow. Why did that happen? Because somebody left the tap on. Took a nap Sunday afternoon, I think. It wasn't me. Because I know that's what some of y'all are thinking. It wasn't me. It was Andy. No, he wasn't here. That was way before Andy. But, you know, that's why he's here. I can just... He said one time, Pastor, you just threw me under the bus. I said, man, that's why you're here. I gotta have somebody... I don't know, I know who did it, but that's not important. The important thing is, when that thing got to the very top of the glass, it had no place else to go but out. When the depths of your heart, who you are, is filled with gratitude to God, it can't help but overflow. How are we doing on that? I I think more than we should, what overflows is junk. What overflows is what's not right, what's not going well. Oh, God, give us hearts that are so full of thanksgiving and gratitude that it just spills out. Don't you love being around people like that? Man, I look for those people because I are not one of those people. I look for people who overflow with thanksgiving. I am an, y'all fill in the blank, Eeyore. Thank you very much. That's my personality. It's a good day, but it might rain later. You know, that's me. That's, That's who I am. So I long for people who overflow with thanksgiving. That's my prayer. God, give me that heart that overflows with thanks. Number two, if that is my heart, this is what will happen. The rest of this message is looking at at David's overflow. This is what happened in his life. First of all, he will cherish God's word. Number two in your outline, if my heart is overflowing with thanksgiving, we will cherish God's word. Look at verse two. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have what? What? magnified your word according to your name. You have magnified your word. The New Living Translation says, your promises are backed by the honor of your name. The psalmist says, David says, when my heart is filled with thanksgiving, there will be a a magnifying of the word of God. I will cherish it. I will delight in it. I will long to spend time with God In his word. And when he speaks to me, I cherish it. I cling to it. I watch folks who buy brand new cars, and I can always tell which ones those are because they park them way out. (laughs) Way out. Out from away from everybody else. And sometimes they'll park them kind of like this side, kind of catty corner, so nobody can park next to them. Why? Because they don't want those little dings in the door. I was shocked one time. I drove to the top of a parking garage at one of our malls in Corpus Christi and got to the top and there are all these brand new cars out there parked away from everybody else. What pains people go to when they cherish something to protect it from getting dinged? The Folks, we don't have to protect God's word from getting dinged. It's been shot at. It's everybody in his brother has tried to do something to the Word. God's Word is sure, it's true. It it doesn't need us. God doesn't need us to preserve His Word. But when I am overflowing with praise, the outcome will be I will cherish the Word of God. It will be magnified in my life. Have you ever been in a place where God spoke to you and you didn't hear Him because you were so focusing on the negative and the junk in your life? And you get to that place through the trial or the struggle. And you realize that, that maybe you need to have your eyes on him. And immediately God reveals truth to you. What's happening there? You get your eyes off the circumstances. And you begin to look at him. And that's when his word is magnified in your life. And you begin to cherish it. Some of you haven't heard from God in a long time. Now, I've never heard him audibly speak. I've never heard his voice. But I tell you what, when he gets hold of my heart, I know it. Dallas Home used to sing a song, "Jesus got a hold of my life and he won't let me go. Got a hold of my heart and he won't let me go." When, when he has my attention, I hear his, I hear his voice deep in, in my spirit. When was the last time you had that? It might be that you haven't heard from him in a while because you're not cherishing his word because you're focusing on the stuff of your life. Folks, we've all got stuff, don't we? I've, I've uh, observed over the years of 20-something years of preaching that if I could just prepare a sermon in a vacuum where I didn't have to hear stuff and I didn't have to be involved in junk and I didn't have to hear the nya nya and all that stuff that might go on or, or have the stuff that's going wrong in my family, if I could just, God, just put me in a vacuum and it's just you and me and your word, man, I could come up with some good sermons. But God chooses not to do that. You know why? Because preaching is is God interacting with me through His Word, through the life of the body. And and I, though I struggle sometimes to close out the stuff that's going on around, when I focus on who God is and what He's done, His Word is magnified to me and I cherish it. It's an outcome of an overflow of praise, an overflow of thanksgiving. Number three, when our hearts are full of thanks when everything within us says thank you. Number three, we will acknowledge answered prayer. Number three, we will acknowledge answered prayer. Look at verse three. (laughs) On the day I called, you answered me. Don't you wish God would answer our prayer just like that every time? On the day I called. On the day I cried out. On the day I said, God, I need you now. You answered me. Now, he does often. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says later. Wait. Not yet. However you want to say it. See, sometimes we sense God's not answering our prayer and he's lining us up with his word. He's lining us up with his heart. Some people say, well, is God waiting to change his mind about something? No, he wants us to pray through things so we'll get to where he wants us. And then we begin to discover his will and his purpose. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And then we say, oh God, yeah, you answered. When I have a heart where everything within me says, thank you, Lord, I acknowledge answered prayer all around me, everywhere I look. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, I love this verse. It's the first verse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not too short that it cannot save, nor is his ear too dull that he cannot hear. God hears, and his arm reached out to us, shows his concern. My heart's full of thanksgiving and gratitude. I'm sensitive, and I recognize God's answered prayer all around me. Do you see those? Do you acknowledge those? Or are you focused on the stuff of life, and you miss what God's doing? Number four, when everything within us says, thank you, Lord, we will acknowledge God's hand in our lives. We will acknowledge God's hand in our lives. Look at verse seven. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. I love that. When I'm in trouble, when I'm in the midst of the stuff, when I'm struggling, when I can barely see the light at the end. One hand, you take care of my enemies. And the other hand, you save me. I have this picture of a, of a soldier at war. And he's gone into a village and he's rescuing a child. And he's running out of that village. This is my mental picture. And, and you can tell that the battle is going on all around him. And in one hand, he has his weapon. And in the other hand, he has that child. And he's running out to rescue. And he's saying, I'm here to protect, to defend. I'm here to rescue and save. See, the Bible says God with one hand takes care of our enemies. With his right hand, he saves us. When I have a heart that is overflowing with gratitude, when everything within me says thank you, I'll see God's hand in my life. I tell you what, walking back through my life and God's hand in my life it is amazing to me how God has orchestrated getting me right here. It, it all goes back to when I was a teenager and got my first job and I wasn't doing very well at college after I got out of high school and I got this job and I, I wasn't doing very well staying with the stuff and they offered me a full-time job in a warehouse and I took it and then they offered me a promotion to work in the inside sales of a pipe and supply company and I kind of felt like God was in that so I took that position and then that turned into an oil field supply business and I kind of fell into that and then they offered me a job transfer to Houston and I reluctantly took that transfer from El Paso, Texas to Houston, Texas you talk about culture shock and it's not just the humidity that's different (laughs) everything about it and then God placed me in an apartment complex that was just a few blocks away from the church that I would drive by every day and then found out that 20 years before the pastor of that church had been ministered to by someone in my family and they encouraged me to go to that church and I went to that church because of that connection and then I met the pastor's family and their little daughter. (laughs) And I fell in love with her. We got married. And then how God orchestrated in my life my call to ministry and how we ended up in Crystal City and How there we met Larry and Rosemary Stewart who lived here in Rockport and we became partners in ministry there and then over the years went into other ministries but then the need came up here at this church and through family God orchestrated that we get here. God's hand is all over my life. And I didn't see it but I promise you from the word of God that when God's right hand was nudging me Kevin, this way, that way stop, wait, go, move like the move to Houston. Move. Move. All the time God was doing that, I didn't see it, but with his other hand, I'm sure he was fighting my enemies, keeping them at bay. And when I have a heart where everything within me cries out, Thank you, Lord, that happens in my life. God's hand is on me, and I can acknowledge it. Number five. When everything within us says, thank you, Lord, we will be strengthened through times of trouble. We will be strengthened through times of trouble. Again, look back at verse three with me. On that day that I called you, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. The New Living Translation says you encouraged me and gave me strength. Look at verse seven. Though I walk through the midst of trouble, you will revive me. We just talked about that. When I am in the midst of difficulty, God revives, He strengthens me. I love what the message translation says. When I'm in the thick of trouble, you keep me alive. God gives me strength in times of trouble. Well, as I walked through in my preparation, God's hand in my life, He took me back to 1986, standing at my mother's bedside, When she went home to be with the Lord It was not pleasant She did not want to go back to the hospital Her cancer had progressed to the point She just wanted to die at home But in those days Hospice really wasn't an option If it was, it wasn't to us So we took her to the hospital And she died in a hospital room And I want you to know As a young seminary student My world was shaken When my mom died But in the midst of that, God brought a peace I had never experienced in my life. And He strengthened me. And I go back and look at those days now and I can see where He even used my brokenness, yet my peace and my resolve to encourage the church staff who came to pray for my mom. And then, as we were walking around the hospital, you know how you do? Because you're there all the time. My sister and I walking outside and in the nice, low-humidity El Paso afternoon. Oh, man, it was gorgeous. She said, hey, Kevin, you know, Mom talked to me a while back, and she wants you to do her funeral. Now, number one, I had never done a funeral before in my life. And number two, I sure wasn't wanting to do my mom's. But God oppressed upon my mom, and she relayed that to my sister, and she told me. So the very first funeral sermon I ever preached was my own mom's funeral. And you know what? I have no idea how I got through that except God. But after the service, we had so many people say, Wow, what a what peace you all have. And I said, Man, it is God. See, God gives strength that this skinny little seminary student. I was at that time. Some things have changed. Y'all, I was skinny. I was so skinny, people were always feeding me. They would have me over, eat another helping, eat another helping. I can't take another, eat another helping. You need to put some meat on those bones. Boy, what I wouldn't give for that metabolism again, huh? This skinny seminary student was able to walk through, literally, the valley of the shadow of death with my family and be strengthened. Folks, he'll strengthen you. I'm just looking around the room. So many of you I've walked through death with, family members, friends, and we've seen God's presence and strength in those moments. Isn't that a good thing? When my heart overflows with praise, when everything within me says, thank you, Lord, man, He strengthens me in times of trouble. By the way, I had never seen anyone die till that moment when my mom passed away. And I had to go out and tell the rest of the family she's gone A few months later, I was called as a pastor of a church, my very first church, and I was called off to a hospital with a lady who had cancer. And I I happened to be with her when she died. And then I had to go in the waiting room and tell her family she's gone. Isn't God good? I knew exactly what that family was going through. I don't know that I could have done that had I not been through it before. But God gave me strength. Number six. When everything within me says, Thank you, Lord. We will live life to the fullest. We will live life to the fullest. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I came that they may have life and that they may have it in abundance. Look at verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Eugene Peterson translates that verse, you stepped in, and made life large. Think about that. In the day I called. In the day I cried out to God. He stepped into my life. And he made life large. He gave me life to the fullest. Can you go back to that moment when you opened your heart to Jesus Christ? Now, you may not have had, had rockets. Some people say, I saw stars. Well, I didn't. I heard fireworks. I didn't. Some people say, I wept like a baby. Well, I didn't. You know what happened when I prayed to receive Christ? God just gave me a peace that I had never felt before. And if you saw rockets, man, God bless you. Fireworks. If God moved you to tears, great. But it's not about the emotion we have, is it? It's going back to the point of connecting with when I received Him. He gave me life. I experienced what it was to turn from death to life. We had the team impact here last Sunday night and they presented the gospel. I thought they did a great job of presenting the gospel that it it means you're going to surrender your life to Christ. You have to turn your life over to Him. And they gave the call to respond and 14 people walked the aisle and stood here in front of the church and they were given a standing ovation. By the way, by a bunch of folks, many who were unchurched who got to celebrate their decision. That moment that those people prayed, they were given life. And life abundantly. When my heart cries out, Thank you, Lord. I'm in touch with that moment where by the grace of God, I receive the Son of God and the Spirit of God came to live within me. And I was giving life to the fullest. Tell you what, I've had some moments in my life where I've looked out and said, man, this is living. I can remember as a kid sleeping on a mountaintop right across from Guadalupe Peak and El Capitan, the highest point in Texas. I was in the mountain right across the little ravine, so we were just a, a few hundred feet below Guadalupe Peak and looked out over the Salt Lake and, and just this vast west Texas, And I can remember as a kid saying, man, this is life. This is living. I can remember when I held my little girl for the first time and my son for the first time. Boy, at those moments. Can you all relate? This is life. This is what life is all about. But none of those experiences compares with the moment I received Christ. Folks, that's life. Life. Number seven, when everything in us says, thank you, Lord, we will live out God's plan for us. We will live out the plan of God for our lives. I'm not through. I hear that. Uh, You don't think I hear that, do you? I hear that. Look at verse eight. Folks, it ain't over till it's over, right? The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. I I paraphrase. God will do what He has planned for me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the works of your hands. God will accomplish what concerns me. He will work out His plan for my life. Okay, show of hands. How many of you had a plan for your life at some point? You had a plan, okay? Many of you were like me. You were just kind of going with the flow. That was my plan. (laughs) Whatever happens, I don't know if that's a plan, but we've all at one point had a plan. The Bible says that God has a plan for our lives. Jeremiah says, the Lord says, I have a plan for you. I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan for my life. When everything within me says, Thank you, Lord. When my heart overflows with thanksgiving, I will begin to live out the plan of God for my life. Are you sensitive to His plan? This week I heard Gordon Fort, who is a Vice President with the International Mission Board, share a story. When he was a missionary in Botswana, his mission team began an outreach to the Kalanga people in Africa. And a friend from that Kalanga tribe had come and they had met and they decided let's go back and share the gospel with the chief of this tribe. A couple hundred thousand in that people's group, in that Kalanga language. He had a real burden for his people, so he gets his missionary, Gordon, and they go back to the tribe. And Gordon is walking with his friend from the Kalanga tribe, Benjamin, and they're going there to meet the chief and Gordon says as he walked by this cattle pen he saw out of the corner of his eye a peasant woman milking a cow and he said god just pricked his heart a little bit and says gordon you need to share christ with her and so he told his friend benjamin hey benjamin let's go talk to her and benjamin said oh no we can't she's she's she would be so embarrassed if two men came to her and that culture just wasn't done we can't do that that would not be appropriate let's go talk to the chief so gordon walks a few more steps he says god pricked his heart again and he says, Benjamin, we really need to... I just feel like we need to go talk to her. He said, no, she's an, she's an ignorant peasant woman. She will not understand us. She will not accept us. It won't be good to do. It's inappropriate. Let's go talk to the chief. So they walked a few more steps, and Gordon said, no, we really need to go talk to her. So he convinced Benjamin to go. And so they go to the woman, and, and Benjamin says a few words in the Kalanga language, and the, the woman responds. He greets her, and she comes out her little cattle pen and stands there by the fence. And Benjamin says in her language, we would like to share with you our story. Would that be all right? And the woman acknowledges. So Gordon, the American missionary, speaks in his Botswana language to this Kalanga villager who translates it into her language. So it's, it's, it's this Botswana to Kalanga to the woman. And she goes through and he, he asks her when he finishes sharing his story through the interpreter in the Botswana language to the Kalanga language. Would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? And the woman indicates that she would. And so Benjamin, in his own language, led her to receive Christ. And after she prayed, she looked at Gordon and said in perfect English a few words to him. And he said, it's a miracle. She didn't always he spoke English. It's a miracle. And here's what she said. Don't miss this. She said, I have a master's degree from the University of Oklahoma. She said, I'm in charge in our capital city of a certain area of of industry there. She said, I've just taken this break to come home and help my parents with the chores around their farm. And I saw the two of you walking. And I saw you turn aside several times. And I said in my heart, if they would take the trouble to turn aside and come and talk to this peasant woman, whatever they have to say must be the truth. And I will listen. And she opened her heart to Christ. Why? Because they were sensitive to God's plan for their life. And let me tell you something. That woman came to know Christ and she became a leader in the church in that community. Because someone was sensitive to the plan of God. Just like God's hand on my life to get me right here. God's hand was using Gordon and Benjamin to share Christ with that lady. God's hand is on our lives. When we get so consumed with how things aren't good, when we read the newspaper and watch the news, sometimes when we look at our family situation and our pocketbook, we forget God is good and great and mighty and awesome and everything within us should cry out, thank you, Lord. But when we get so consumed with all that stuff, We miss God's plan for our life. How many Kevins are there that God's going to bring into your life that He wants you to to help nudge, to share Christ with, to invite to church? How many people like that woman are there that God has stirred their hearts and all He's waiting for is us? to get involved in His plan. When we are thankful, it seems like God has a way of using us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today we give You thanks that Your Word is truth without error. And I thank You, Lord, that as the psalmist has declared with all his heart he gives You thanks and we've seen clearly in Your Word the outcome of that. Lord, I give you thanks. I pray that we would be the kind of people who would live lives of gratitude and obedience to you, to your word, to your truth. Oh, God. Get our eyes off the stuff. That stuff that pulls us aside, that drags us down. And Lord, put our eyes on you the giver of every good and perfect gift. That we may see it comes from you, that we may acknowledge answered prayer, that we would hear you when you call, that we would respond in obedience, that we would be a part of your plan. God, do that with your people. And Lord, for those who are here this morning who've never discovered your plan, for them, I pray that today would be the day they'd open their heart to you and receive Christ as Savior.